suck at golf and let me tell you why. I'm Avery Dovsik, the host of the Why You Suck at Golf podcast. Thanks for tuning in to another episode, or if you're new, you are in for such a treat because today we have Kyle Berkshire. Yes, he is ranked currently number one in the world as a world long drive professional, and he has so much great insight and some tips and tricks on how he got to where he is today. But first, let's hear from Anchor. What an honor today to be joined by world number one, Kyle Berkshire, world long drive professional. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Doing good. How about you? Good. Well, first and foremost, I have to address it because me and my team have talked about it, or my team and I. How do you hit with long hair down? So there's a couple of systems I go with. So it's pretty much okay as long as there's not a severe headwind. And um, so when there's a severe headwind, when I turn around, the, the my head tilts a bit and opens up my left side of my face. And so the wind can blow the hair in my eyes. So what I have to do is actually tuck my hair into my collar. Is that um, what it is? I've considered, well, yeah, I mean, because you would, the obvious one would be put it up, but I actually don't like that because the weight at the top of my head from my hair actually kind of throws off my swing a little bit. And so I, I kind of deal with it. Um, it's not a big deal unless it's into a headwind. And if it's into a headwind, I just, uh, I kind of tuck it into the uh, shirt and uh, do my best to deal with it. But, I mean, to be clear, it certainly is a handicap, but I, I, I have an emotional attachment to my hair at this point, so I deal with it. <laughs> have you always had long hair, or was this sort of a transition when you got a little older? Well, I had a couple phases. I had longish hair in high school. Um, I had, like, the flow going, you know, like all the other guys in school did. And um, in college, I actually had it almost, pretty much buzz cut. Um, and, uh, the story is as I was transitioning to long drive in 2017, it was like June, I think maybe July, I went to this barbershop when I was still in uh, Dallas and, um, I sat there for 30 minutes and the barber never showed up and I just left and <laughs> I just, just, you know, I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm not getting my hair cut today. And I kind of just, just kept dealing with having longer and longer hair. And then the next year rolls around and, um, I'm at the mesquite, I'm at a term of mesquite in 2018 is my first, uh, Actually, my second televised appearance um, after the 2017 Worlds. And I had plans to get my hair cut after that tournament. And I made it to the final eight. And Jonathan Coachman, one of the announcers, started talking about my hair on this broadcast. And it kind of became a thing. <laughs> and um, so I just decided to keep it. Um, and it, it really was – it beat the odds. It was never supposed to be a thing. I had I planned to kill it several times. And <laughs> right before it happened, something intervened. So at that point, I was like, all right, I'm just going to keep it. So, uh, I love Coach. I guess it was just meant to be, though. Yeah, he's a good dude. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a divine intervention, you know, multiple multiple times. And so I won't go against the will of the universe. All right. All right. Well, where are you right now? And what have you been up to the last couple of months? So I'm, I'm in Maryland right now with family. Um, but last few months, I've been doing filming down in Dallas with uh, Good Good and some of the crew down there. I've been out at uh, California with Callaway testing out some stuff there um probably been out of florida next couple weeks getting some practice and doing some filming with those guys uh out of pj national so i've been i've been everywhere and uh, just trying to you know build like you are just trying to build my brand and uh you know stay busy keep moving and uh you know it's been fun i like staying busy so yeah i couldn't agree with that i am lost if i don't have a schedule (laughs) (laughs) me too well you mentioned you joined the long drive world in 2017, but what did your life look like leading up to that? So I was, uh, you know, I played two years of golf at university of North Texas and, um, 
you know, I was struggling a little bit. I, I came into college being one of the top prospects in the country. And I, uh, I was, my scoring average my senior year was 72.8, 72.9, I think, um, on the polo rankings in AJJ. And, um, (laughs) I I came in pretty, pretty good. And after about a month, I couldn't break 80. And I think it was a combination of school and, you know, all the, all the extra scheduling, because I always practiced golf when I wanted to, when I felt like it. And the the regiment, regimentation, I think took a lot of the fun out and made it more like a job. So I kind of started to hate the game. So I basically kind of quit after about a year and a half, two years, or I, I wouldn't say that. I'd say took kind of a leave of absence, and um, my coach suggested I try out this long drive qualifier because I did get very fast through those two years of college. Um, with the swing speed. I think I was swinging at about 132, 133 in the course at that point. And um, so I just went out to this long drive event. He thought it would be a good idea for me to blow off some steam and uh, swing a golf club, but at the same time not play golf, just kind of get back to having fun with the game and I actually ended up winning that qualifier didn't expect it had no plans on doing long drive really just wanted to do something for fun and um, at that point uh, I qualified for world so I was kind of committed to another event later that year so I just decided you know I just kind of fill the rest fill this year with the long drive events and see what happens um, and then I transitioned I went to UCF in Orlando to be around golf channel and to be closer to my sponsors at the time and you know I, I got better and you know, it's kind of been one of those things where I didn't really have a plan after that current phase, but I just kept like building on it and getting better. And uh, it's kind of turned into a really nice career. Yeah, I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> so you were swinging in the 130s in college before your career. What is your fastest recorded swing speed? I recorded, I think it was 156 club speed. I recorded that in, um, I think, the, I think the quarterfinals of uh last year's world championship i think it's 156 something like that um what was your longest recorded drive in competition it was actually at that uh, qualifier i previously mentioned uh 474 um so that was another catalyst i think people saw that number um and obviously i'd never competed before so that's when everyone started telling me you know i i I might i should pursue this so that was I'll, i'll never forget that drive as long as i live it was and 30 mile an hour tailwinds and uh, there's a bunker in the middle of the grid at about 440 and the, the best drives are kind of rolling into it and it's kind of a problem because you know it could affect outcome of the competition because if a, if a ball flew into the bunker versus bounce short of it and it could bounce over the ball that flew all the way to the bunker but everyone was you know trying to fit it around that bunker and i actually hit my last ball on this set and I, it was like 435, 440 to carry it. And I was pretty annoyed at myself. It's like, man, it's going to get eaten up by the bunker. But it actually carried right over the lip. And um, wow. so, yeah, that's, that's definitely a drive I'll never forget. See, I finally hit 110 today. And I was so stoked. And now I feel really slow talking to you. <laughs> that's really fast. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you what, that's, uh, I can tell you right now, that's uh, competitive for women. Um, yeah. And obviously, you have a wanna... golf background, so. I want to go into it. I want to get a long drive club and fast. Eddie has been talking to me a little bit about throwing um, some possible situations up there, but definitely interested in it. Like you said, I mean, especially with this type of year, I didn't get discouraged, but you know, when tournaments kept getting canceled and I mean, I found myself in the gym every day. Anyways, I was like, my not try taking something else up, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun to pick. I mean, that was the same situation I was in. Like, I think the one thing um, during my time in North Texas is 
I, I kind of took a lot of my fresh. That's when I started working out, and I took out a lot of my frustration in the gym. I probably spent six or seven days a week in the gym, the two years I was there, and that's when my speed exploded. Um, that's probably you, you can probably gain a tremendous amount of speed. Honestly, I haven't seen your swing, but you know, I know you played college golf, so knowing that, that's huge right there. I don't like. I can't stress to you enough how huge it is to be have a college have like a golf background, especially at that level. In fact, I would go as far as to say that if you had a college golf background versus someone who's never picked up a golf club or didn't really have a golf background, you probably have about a – they have about a five-mile-an-hour speed handicap they'd have to make up to hit the ball as far as you because you know a lot more about aerodynamics and ball striking, and that's so important. Um, like, I would take a golf ball moving at 215, 215 miles an hour all day long, hit by someone who's really good at ball flight and it controls their spin, over a 225 ball that was just hit, you know, with no control over those parameters. So you're at a big, you're at a huge advantage given your golf background, you know, Hmm. and being at 110, that's, 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 that's world-class speed. Well, it wasn't consistent and it took me about like 50 or 60 balls to finally hit it, but I did. (laughs) Well, I've been, I've been working, I've been working Bryson Deshambo through the same deal and we took him, we got him up to, I think we got him up to, um, 133 club speed with his three wood and it took us two and a half hours to get him there. And I was absolutely riding him. I mean, I was bringing up everything from, I was like, you know, are you really going to fade on me? Like you faded in the masters and oh. all of those. I said, it was really <laughs> fun watching you, you know, turn the Augusta national into a par 76, you know, just saying everything I can to get him, you know, it was all, it wasn't malicious. It was all meant to push him a little harder. We're really good friends. So he knows what I'm doing, but that's part of the process of gaining speed is pushing yourself you're not going to get faster just by hitting 30 swings and just going kind of relax that like, it's like lifting weights. If you want to get stronger, you have to push your limits and um, you really yeah. have to be intentional with how you train. Um, and, you know, the fact that you're just now starting that, you know, that, that means you, you can definitely gain a lot more speed. Yeah. I mean, I never really factored in, like you said, 30 swings. Like, yeah, I'd hit the driver on the range till I was consistent before my round, whatever. But now implementing that level of speed and intentional training, like you said, kind of like a progressive overload. Absolutely. Where you're like winded, winded. And I'm sure I'm obviously I'm preaching to the choir on this, but (laughs) do you think music like helps you or what do you do to get pumped up before competition? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think music, I think because what it does, it takes you out of, uh, I think it takes you out of where you are and puts you into a place that, you know, makes you much more excited. Like for me, you know, I want to put put my mind into a very chaotic and uh, honestly stressful place. That's what gets me, that's what gets the most out of me. And I've actually noticed, you know, I've gotten so used to competing, you know, under a lot of pressure. It's honestly hard for me to call on my absolute max speeds in practice. And what I've noticed is my actually my top speeds in practice have declined a little bit, even though my top speeds in the competition have jumped up, which is actually perfect for me because it allows me to preserve my body and all that good stuff. But I found that, you know, the more and more you repeat that process of bringing your mind into a place where it's generating a lot of speed, it gets tougher and tougher to get it back there. Kind of like, you know, if you have a lot of caffeine, it's hard to get that stimulating effect after a while, um, that kind of thing. But yeah, I, I listen to music, um, you know, anything really, I'm pretty, you know, just depends on how I'm feeling or my mood at the time. I might start off with like, I'm just trying to get loose. My style is country, that kind of thing. And <laughs> eventually maybe work my way up to some heavier stuff. Um, just kind of depends yeah. on how I'm feeling. And, you know, how about what, what, what music do you listen to to get pumped up? Um, so I, that's something I also have been like playing around with is before, like, yeah, I hit balls to, like you said, like country or like 
you know, rap, something like pop, but now I'm like kind of pushing uh, the head banging music a little bit just because it definitely helps like that higher tempo and almost that faster cadence is like you kind of like think of the timing in your head and just it helps tremendously. Oh, yeah. You got to get your mind into a different place. The mind, you got to put your mind into an uncomfortable spot if you want to achieve extreme results. The mind, the mind likes comfort. So what we're doing is pushing the limits of what's possible and that that with that comes discomfort. So you have to marry that feeling inside of you to produce those results on the outside. What do they say? Get comfortable being uncomfortable? Yeah, (laughs) if if you're comfortable being uncomfortable, um, the world is your oyster, quite frankly. Um, Just segueing into that before this call, we talked about I don't know if you open this to the public, but the idea of you competing in a bodybuilding Mm -hmm. show as I'm training for and that and you'll learn really quickly when your numbers start to drop (laughs) that that is the most mental uncomfort that you can put yourself through. (laughs) Oh, I I, you told me you're on 75 games of carbs a day and I don't know how you can function like to me. That's just I'm on, you know, 440 right now. And like, I mean, I'm I'm on I'm feeling fine and stuff, but like. Like I just can't imagine. That's I, I was on eighteen hundred calories a day for a while when I was cutting down um two years ago. Um, but I, I just I cannot imagine twelve hundred and fifty calories a day. Hey, like, it's not sustainable and I hope to never get that low again. <laughs> well, you're doing the right stuff now, I'm sure. You won't need to get much under about sixteen, seventeen hundred probably. No, I, I'm very, very hopeful. <laughs> One of the things they always say, and Paul actually says this is Never, if you get, if your calories get under 10%, 10 times your weight, that's when he starts getting really, really nervous about your numbers. So, oh, yeah. Especially, I mean, girls and your fats getting, you can't let your fats get really low. Yeah. And that you, regulates all your hormones. Yeah. And you and need I'm to have some the same thing. Too. Like, that's the thing. It's like you run out of calories, you run oh, out yeah. of macros. You know, it's just, I don't know. I'm, I respect you for being able to deal with that that long. Half the people impressive. listening to this are like, "What are they talking about?" It's like speaking a different language. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, let's uh, let's wrap it around to back to long drive. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> one of my questions was: when you switched from college to long drive, and you got a specific long drive shaft, how did that change your swing and your swing speed? Well, I, it it, was, it jumped it up. Um, I've it's I think it varies between people, but I found a very a kind of a blanket conversion rate, if you will. Um, Somewhere it's about a mile an hour for extra, per extra inch. That is not universal by any means, but the balance of probabilities you can expect about a mile an hour for every extra inch. So I got about three miles an hour out of that extra length. Um, and what it does is two things, ge- geometrically speaking. Like, so the club's longer, so you're staying further away from the ball, which means the swing plane is going to get flatter. And that that basically what that means is you're going to be have a tendency to get a little flatter on the outside on the top top of the swing. And you're going to the, – the club can have a tendency to fall under and behind you a little bit. So one of the things I had to do was really be deliberate in making sure on my takeaway I kept my hands from kind of taking it away too far inside. Um, and to this day, I still have to work with my coach on making sure that I, I keep an eye on that. Basically, your swing's going to get a little flatter. It's going to get a little longer, and it's going to get a little faster. Hmm. So what drill or movement do you think that has helped your swing level up, whether that be in the gym or on the range, but what do you think for you specifically helped tremendously? Well, I think, you know, it's very, very simple and it might be disappointing for some people to hear this, but I think it's very, 
fundamental and people skip it a lot ball position you know my my coach you know bobby peterson and i like every single session i do we have an alignment rod keeping my feet in line and we have an alignment rod keeping my ball position in line and in fact we sometimes have an extra alignment rod but pointing the direction right by the ball pointing on my target line to make sure that the lines are both the target line at my feet is parallel to the target line of the ball and mm-hmm. um the reason we do that is it gives a it gives us a correlation and we can start kind of messing with alignment the aim line those kind of kinds of things to hit different shots and if you're hitting shots off offline and your ball position and your alignment are good then you can start you know diagnosing things with all the controls being you know consistent you can start figuring out is it my face angle am i falling under, under the plane am i coming over top of it um so i would say get your alignment dialed in get your ball position dialed in and from there you'll be able to start making some very very good inferences um based on how the ball is moving and you know if, for an actual actionable tip to improve your driving distance my best tip is to three times a week hit 75 balls as hard as you possibly can. And so say you, so let's say you hit 75 balls, drop maybe the 10 fastest ball speeds and the 10 slowest, take the middle 55 ball speeds, average them out, plot that on a chart and just kind of continue to try to push that average higher. And uh, over time you'll see results. Interesting. So in your swing, and I don't know if this was a progression for you or something you and your coach had like gradually built up to, but when you, after impact or maybe while impact, you step out to the left and point your toe towards your target, right? Yeah, I guess you could say that. I mean, it, it's 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 a reaction of uh, torque. It's not a conscious thing. I've done that since I was probably at least twelve. In fact, I remember oh. that because well, because I the way I did it when I started getting speed as a young kid, I actually tried to keep that foot from rotating out because I thought that was a bad thing to do. I thought mm-hmm. it didn't look professional and. I'm glad I stopped doing it really young because it actually led to some knee discomfort because I was keeping my knee planted against this torque. And I'll put it to you this way. The amount of swings I would be able to make with, if my feet were cast in cement, meaning they couldn't move and I made a 150 mile an hour swing, I'd be able to make exactly one swing like that before my knees would be, my left knee would be totally destroyed. Yeah. It would, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what pro it was, if I remember. It might have been Gary Player, but he did, like, a walkthrough drill. Do you know what I'm talking to? Like, he'd hit the ball, and he'd actually swing and walk through the ball, proving that you should not always be, you know, have your feet pointed perpendicular to your target. I mean, I I think it's pretty simple. It's basically – I wouldn't say – I would not go into a swing saying I'm going to do a certain amount of movement with my left foot. I would say – I'm going to make the swing and let the body decide how much movement, because it's just a reaction of torque. It's nothing It happens after impact mostly. And my opinion on it is if you're fast, if you generate a lot of torque, it's probably, if you swing over a hundred miles an hour, it's probably going to be there. I would say, let it happen. It's the body reacting to the torque. And you can see plenty of pros doing it. Justin Thomas does it. Bryson DeChambeau does it. It's a necessary movement to preserve the left knee and it shouldn't have an impact your ability to hit straight. Was it uncomfortable for you, you know, picking your head up and not keeping it still during your drives at first? Well, I mean, honestly, I always uh, kind of did that a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the thing is, I already kind of had this league built. Um, I just didn't really know it yet. The foundation had been built pretty well without us kind of, I kind of fell backwards into it really. Like I just happened to develop a swing for power. And um, it just happened that I, 
kind of had all the mechanics laid down the foundation and it was pretty much like a bodybuilder at that point i had the right muscle insertions i had the right flow to my physique all i really had to do was pack on muscle you know and that's basically what i did i just packed on speed to this swing mm-hmm. and you know it was efficient enough and um you know it was built for speed and for distance and that's what we did we kind of just uh, maximized it and uh you know it's really turned into uh a, a really efficient swing that I think will give me a very long career. Yeah. Do you have off days when you train or when you're at the range and you're just not getting the distance you want or the speeds you want? Well, I think uh, well, typically with my training, um, I wouldn't say off days. I would say there's days where you hit more um, and then days where you hit less. Like when I was in prep for 2019 Worlds, the most in the three, four weeks we had leading into that, I think the high end we'd hit about 1,200 balls a day and then the low end, it'd be about 300. Um, so, I mean, you could call those off days, I guess, just hitting maybe one set of 300 balls in the morning and taking the rest of the day off, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, but, I mean, it, a big part of winning a world championship is endurance. Like, it's an eight-day tournament. And that's what people forget. It's like, you cannot have – if you have a single bad day, you're going to be eliminated. And so, yeah, you know, I, that's what we prepared for was to be competing for eight days. And, you know, by the time the final eight rolled around, you know, eight days later – you know, I was still able to hit between sets, between the, you know, the quarters, and I would be preparing for the semis. I'd still be able to warm up for the semis. And then between the semis and finals, I was still hitting on the range. And that, that made it, that played a big difference because I felt like as the tournament wore on, I kept getting stronger and stronger. And I felt like a few people might have been fading a little bit. And I, I think that really played to my favor. Yeah. I mean, when you're used to hitting 1200 balls a day, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's talk about endurance practice. That's well, incredible. the best part was getting to eat 8,000 calories a day. That was oh, <laughs> just get out of here with your high carbs, whatever. <laughs> um, so looking ahead, what's on the schedule for the new year and what goals did you set for yourself or do you and your coach hope to see in 2021? Well, the first thing um, is we're, you know, obviously COVID. I'm, I mean, I'm not really going to mince words. COVID has pretty much destroyed the sport, more or less, um, as we knew it, in terms of the television infrastructure that we had. So mm-hmm. we're currently, we've got, I think, nine stops me. I mean, we have this tour reforming the players, and we've got nine stops set up. So I will be at as many of those as I possibly can be at. Um, but I'm also going to be doing filming for YouTube for Good Good and for my own YouTube channel. And um, another facet will be I'm, you know, sharpening my game up. I do plan to play professional golf next year and see where things are. I'm playing really well right now. Yes. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. I don't know. I mean, I have a very high amount of respect for the level those guys are at because a lot of those guys I grew up playing golf with. And so I know how good they are and they even, they were back then. Um, But my game's not far off. It just needs some time to get sharpened up. And I'm hoping I can find five or six hours a day while I'm filming and training to do that. Um, We'll see. It's going to be tough to balance it all, but um, you know, I know as a, as the Randy world champion, I need, I need to be at as many of these events as I can, um, you know, to kind of get people to keep you staying excited in the sport um, of long drive. So I'm going to do that as well as, uh, you know, try to keep pursuing a career in professional golf. And then, you know, obviously I got this, uh, you know, this bodybuilding show as well. So I'll be dialing in for that. Um, and I'll be interested to see, um, I actually believe I will get faster as I get leaner. I experienced that effect in 2019. I lost about 35 pounds and from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. And I gained about six miles an hour. So it'd be, it'd be a fun year. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a busy year. And that's, that's what I like the most about it. I don't like sitting around. I mean, another aspect of this bodybuilding thing is, I mean, 
mental strength that's going to help you so much on the professional side of golf oh, like yeah. on the PGA well, it's... and your discipline and like those putts that suddenly don't become scary anymore because you have other stuff to worry about. Yeah. I swear, it helped my game <laughs> so much. Well, the beauty of it is when your life gets so miserable, everything else seems so nice. Right. Yeah. Yeah, did I hit it in the trees? Oh, this is nothing. <laughs> yeah. I'm suffering a hundred percent of the time. So I don't care if I hit the trees anymore. I'm, too, I'm suffering too much for that. <laughs> Well, before I let you go, I have to ask, mm-hmm. why do you think people suck at golf? I think they suck at golf. Um, well, there's one obvious reason is because they don't spend enough time practicing, but I think I'm going to go with a little different answer. It's not necessarily objectively sucking. I think it's people's expectations convincing them that they suck. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've always believed that the better you get at golf, the more you think you suck. Um, so I would say they just have unreasonable expectations. <laughs> um, but if you want a statistical reason as well, it's probably because either A, they're not hitting it far enough, or B, they're giving up too many shots around the green. It's probably a combination yeah. of both if they're really having trouble. 100 yards and in is so important, and people don't practice Oh, it. trust me. If I, could, if, I was good, if I was really good at 100 yards and in, I would, not be, I would definitely be worth a lot more money than I am now, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> I agree. You're talking to, like, the person who um, – shoots over par because they missed two footers man sound like uh sound like my kind of golfer (laughs) well it's all about the power of positivity which 2021 we're just gonna we're gonna kill it with that but (laughs) thank you so much for joining me on the podcast it was such a blast you were awesome and i can't wait to see what this next year has in store for you yeah thanks i can't wait to see what has in store for you as well (laughs) awesome well maybe we can catch up when i get in florida sounds good all right have a good one Uh, you too He is truly incredible and such a great guy. I felt like I knew him forever chatting through that podcast. He shared so many great tips and tricks, and I can't wait to get to the range to try them. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can give me a rating, greatly appreciated. And you can follow me on Instagram at Avery underscore Dovsek. That is A-V-E-R-E-E underscore D-O-V-S-E-K. Thank you again to Kyle for hopping on the podcast, and thank you for listening. We'll see you on the next one. Oh,